Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. This week, I'm going to start a series, and I'm calling it Detoxing from Religion. You know, we affectionately refer to this place as a religious, a religious detox center. Now, just so we're on the same page, I realize religion doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation for everybody. So when I talk about religion, what I mean is man's approach, man's attempts to approach God and attempts to be acceptable to God based on a set of rules or behaviors. Religion. Religion is what you think you need to do to keep God happy and get things out of his hands for you. Religion is actually pretty self-centered. Religion can't let go and let God do what he wants through you. Religion is your attempt to be acceptable by God based on your own efforts. Now, you would never say... Now, that's self-righteousness. If you were to go and stand in front of God and say, God, I gave, but I'm still broke. God, I prayed, but I'm still sick. God, I went to church all the time, but I'm not blessed. We'd all say, yeah, that's a pretty self-righteous person. You think that doing that qualifies you. Most of us don't do that. What we do is the opposite, but it still has the heart of self-righteousness within it. Meaning, when it goes wrong, you wonder what you did to make it go wrong. Still self-righteousness. That's where we're going this week. Sticking in this idea. Today we're going to talk about breaking your addiction to self-righteousness. Now, I'm going to stay on point. It's going to be good. Ready? Here we go. So with all addiction, because we're kind of looking at religion as this addiction that we get caught into, with all addiction, toxic beliefs drive destructive behavior. All right? So now all addicts justify their toxic and destructive behavior. You ever known an addict? You ever been an addict? Raise your hand if you've ever known or been an addict. Now I'm trying to figure out which ones you've been in. <laughs> You can't nail down an addict. They will not take responsibility. They are masters at blame shifting. It's never my fault. It's always your fault. Well, you see what happened was, is the like battle cry of the addict. That was funny. That's pretty bad when you have to tell people to laugh at your jokes. <laughs> see, what happened was I was over here and this happened and they did this. You ever heard that? You ever done that? It's what we do. The addict always has an excuse to justify their behavior. You know you're a religious addict if you give godly or false humility excuses for your sinful and religious behavior, meaning, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, then that means you have an excuse to sin. If you still think that you have a partial righteous nature and a partial sin nature, you got a good excuse for your sin. You know, it's like the, and I love AA, I love NA, incredible organizations that have really transformed and helped people break free from life-controlling, destructive addictions. Praise God for that. But biblically, there comes a time where you have to shed that identity and own the transformation and realize I am not that. I will not identify by my failure and behavior. I will identify by who I am in Christ. A transformation has to take, has to take place. 
I just recently heard of someone who uh, was sober from alcohol for 26 years, and he took a drink on a cruise and just backslid straight into hardcore drinking. Now, how can you do something like that? Now, it sounds harsh, and I'm not trying to be. The, the religious mindset would say, well, that's just in their nature. They just have a propensity. The scientific mindset would say, well, they're just, they just have a genetic propensity toward addiction. But the new creation, finished work of Christ says, no, you just didn't own your new creation identity and let that transform into your outer world. And that's what we want to do is speak to who you are inwardly. That eternal aspect of who you are, that new creation reality, nurture that up so you learn to live and think from that person because that's who you really are. Amen. Amen. Amen? If you're still struggling with the same sin after 25 years, you, have, you don't yet know who you are in Christ. You don't know the transformative power of grace within you. How many of you, when you got saved, you were instantly delivered from an addiction or worry or fear? I used to, man, I used to sound like a sailor, just like cussing ridiculous. Just, I think back now and I'm like, I was one of those kids that I'd show up at your, you know, if I was your friend, I'd show up at your house and you're like, I hope he don't go off and I would. I was an idiot. And man, I'm telling you, when I got saved, it just stopped. And I didn't even think, oh, I'm a Christian now, I should stop cussing. It just stopped. I just, it, you know, it just didn't come out. It just didn't naturally come out of me anymore. Praise God for that. Other things as well, you know, not just profane language, but it just stopped. Now, don't be judging yourself if you still use them wordy dirds. It's, uh, that's not the point. Let's look at a few examples of uh, some more toxic beliefs here. So, number one, here's a toxic belief that drives destructive behavior within religion. God is angry with me because I messed up. Toxic belief drives destructive behavior. What destructive behavior do you think God is angry with me because I messed up drives? Like what's the following fruit of that belief? God's God's mad at me because I messed up. What would be the destructive behavior following that? More of the same. Getting further away from God. That's a huge one. Because if you think that God's mad at you because you messed up, you run and hide for a little while. Just like Adam, the very first response of sin in the garden, hid and clothed himself because he then was ashamed. That's what that does. If you think God gets mad at you when you mess up, you know, there's a meme going around on the Internet. And it's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion says, "Uh uh-oh, I messed up. Dad's going to be mad at me. The other one, relationship, says, "Uh uh-oh, I messed up. I need to go talk to my dad. Dad being God. You know, if you still feel like you need to distance yourself a little bit from God and you, you don't feel like you can just go into him and approach him and be safe in his arms... You still have a religious mentality that you need to, de- to detox from. Now, does that mean that sin is okay? No. Does that mean you should ever even entertain sin? No. no, it just means that you understand how God actually really sees you. Amen. When you mess up, that's when you draw closer into God. You let Him love on you and remind you of who you are in Him and, and the, how valuable you be. Come on! 
Are you, are you with me? Amen. Religion hides a little bit, and, and, and it reflects a self-righteous attitude because it says, all right, when I stop feeling guilty for a little while, then I'll go back to God. You ever done that? True. You old self-righteous thing, you. True. I'm going to hide from God until I some condemnation sheds a little bit, then I'm going to go back to Him. Self-righteousness, meaning you think your efforts qualify you for God's love. Now, you would never say, I did really well this week, now I can stand close to God, but what you do say is, I need to move away from Him because I was bad this week. Still self-righteousness. Your righteousness is still wrapped up in your behavior. Aren't you glad you came to this religious detox center? Now, most of you know that, but I might get to something here where the point is today that rises up a little bit that reflects a little bit of self-righteousness. Now, you guys probably know this, but I'm telling you, your friends and your family don't. They need to know the true character of God. Amen? Be vocal. Communicate to them. And it's not because you're trying to give them a license to sin. You're giving them a path into God's arms where they will be strengthened beyond the power of sin. The only way for you to conquer the power of sin is in the arms of God, full of His grace, full of His love for you, responding, because that's what faith is, a response to His love for you. We love Him because He first loved us. And when you know His love for you, you keep His commandments, loving God, loving people. Amen? That's number one. Number two, I still mess up because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. License to sin. Why? Because you still think that you're partially a sinner. Now, this is a big one. When people come into this place, there's a door right there, and people find it quickly when we start talking about you don't have a sin nature anymore. Why? Because a lot of times they're looking at their behavior and the behavior of the people around them, and they're saying, well, you don't look righteous. You, you write a song about standing before the Father of God saying, I am righteous. And people will say, well, now who are you saying is righteous? You ever been there? Now, see, to the religious, humility sounds like self-righteousness. Humility is adopting a mindset and a self-image that matches the finished work of Christ, regardless of behavior which actually is the power to break free from that behavior. You see how the enemy has perverted, taken religion and putting it on mankind? This is what Jesus said about it, Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. Say, you hypocrites. You just waiting to say that, weren't you? You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. I mean, we have these accountability groups. How long has it been since you looked at porn? It's been three weeks since I looked at porn. Well, good. Well done. But inside, you're struggling. And that's not deliverance. You still, want, you still want to cheat on your taxes. You still want to lie to your spouse. You still want to whatever it is. That's not transformation. That's not even law-keeping. That's religion. If you feel good about yourself, because you didn't sin that week, it's okay to be proud of yourself. But ultimately, it can reflect a self-righteous attitude. Let me finish this passage here. This was his idea. This was his concept. Verse 26, blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, 
and then the outside will also be clean. Praise God. What a picture. That's what he does. You're struggling. You wonder what's going on in your life. You wonder why you still have these habits, these kinds of thoughts. You don't yet know what's going on on the inside of you. You haven't truly connected to that deep root. Or you've forgotten. Maybe you've forgotten that you're forgiven. Maybe you've forgotten that the blood of Christ is your sanctification. See, because religion would tell you that sanctification is a, is a path that you walk down and you go through the process of sanctification to become holy. That's religion. Jesus says clean the inside, which he does, then the outside will be clean. That's transformation right there. Now, there is a process of that inward sanctification bearing fruit outwardly. That should happen. Absolutely, God expects it. And you're in sin if it doesn't. However, that sin will never affect your true identity. But your true identity can destroy that sin. Amen? If you're still struggling, thinking that you have an excuse for your sin because you still have a sin nature within you and you're just, I'm just warring against, I just tell you what, this week I just warred against my flesh. Well, I know what you did. You got into carnal thinking and the world's options seemed more appealing than God's options for you. That's what happened. You got into carnal thinking. You got into trying to figure out your life. You got into complaining about your marriage. You got into grumbling about your kids, whatever it is watching the news and getting afraid, and you started being absorbed and transformed in your thinking according to that rather than saying, nope, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My God is faithful. Amen? The inside is clean, and I'm going to pull from that inside and live it outwardly. Don't you dare let somebody question your salvation based on your behavior. Ever. It's not done work that way. Now, I get it. I get why they do that. I get why those hypocrites and Pharisees will judge your salvation based on your behavior because it is right to expect fruit. But how dare they question the degree to which God's work in you has been effectuated? Are you kidding me? You're going to question God's capacity to sanctify and cleanse and save someone based on them saying yes to Jesus because they mess up? Well, let's talk about your sin for a minute. Maybe you're not saved. Don't do that. Number three, religious toxic belief that we need to detox from. And I'm going to kind of drill down on this one. As an example, you've heard me preach on this a little bit before, but uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper on what we're talking about here. So number three, toxic belief that describes destructive behavior is my life is difficult sometimes because God is teaching me a lesson. And it sounds like, why? Why, God? What are you doing? Why'd you let that happen? God's will is reflected in in Christ. God's will is reflected in His promises. And if your life is a mess, that's your will. 
Get on board with His will, and He will lead you and guide you. Amen? Amen. What kind of destructive behavior can my life is difficult sometimes because God's teaching me a lesson drive? So how do you break free from that? See, what we're talking about is you don't have to go in and search your heart and try and figure out what you don't believe. Because when you begin to believe the promises, when you begin to believe the finished work of Christ, it just overrides all that junk. You know, you don't have to go fishing for the darkness. Nurture the light. Amen? Amen. Now, deliverance is valid. Inner healing, counseling, all that stuff is valid, but it should be rooted still in the fact that it's already complete. You might need a little bit more help and a little bit more effort because maybe you don't know how to walk yourself through these kinds of processes. We need that stuff, but not from the perspective of you're not holy and complete, (laughs) go through my program, then you become holy and complete. Wrong. All right. My life is difficult sometimes because God is teaching me a lesson. Now, that might look like, well, I had a flat tire this morning. God, what are you doing? Can I step on some toes? You know, the house didn't come through. God, what are you doing? God's speaking to you before the circumstance happens. If it takes a flat tire for you to hear God, you missed it before the flat tire. Now, will God make your tire flat so that you'll avoid a wreck? Maybe. I don't know. That's the subjective thing. that You you can't build a life of faith on that. What you can build a life of faith on is that God promised that He will protect you. He is your protector. He is provision. You find yourself in a place where you need provision, you have either mismanaged your resources or you've missed his leading into provision before you got into lack. You get into lack and debt and you're sitting there going, why God? It's self-righteous. You think that that difficulty, it might be your fruit that you're reaping because of your decisions, but it's not God. Now, how can I say that? Let's keep reading here. I've got a few passages here to read. So the toxic belief is my life is difficult because God's trying to teach me a lesson. Romans 8, when it says all things work together, uh, he works all things together for my good. And, you know, I love that song we did in the beginning, but it, it, it leaves off a part. For those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. If you love God, he will take those things and shape them. Meaning, what does that mean? Does it mean that you fulfill the law of loving God and God says, well done, you have loved me, you kept the law, now here's a blessing for you. Love is a response to His love for us. So if you are properly loving Him, it means that you are first responding to His love for you and in His love for you is a leading where everything's going to work out for you. For you. Now, that person that you're living with, maybe not, that's their choice. That boss that you're working for, maybe not. That's their choice. Are you with me? For you, everything can work out when you love God because you are responding to His love for you, which means the channel is open for you to be led and everything's going to work out. Now, that takes some tweaking, right? That's like, that's a bit of a detox thing. Oh, wait a minute. There's a detox problem. Your mind 
becomes addicted to thinking certain ways. Your brain literally fires chemicals to help you think the same kinds of patterns. And when you begin to think a different way, it's hard. It's physically hard to think a different way because your brain, it's, it's like addicted to those feelings. And so even if you hear the truth, like have you ever heard something preached, maybe even here, and deep down you're like, yeah, 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 that's true. But your brain is like, does that ever happen to you? Wait, raise your hand if it's happened. Okay, good. You're going through religious detox. Your brain's freaking out, but your heart says, yes, I see that. I get it. Now, it doesn't mean I got it all worked out. Like, like we're always right and everybody else is wrong. I'm not even remotely saying that. I'm just placing your life and your trajectory with God in the finished work of Christ rather than your approach to God to be accepted by Him. Amen? Amen? So, my life is difficult sometimes because God is teaching me a lesson. Time to detox from that. We are going to, I think I may have uh, skipped it, but what we're doing is we are kicking the habit of blaming your problems on God. Galatians 2. Are you with me? Yet we know that a person... Now, what we're talking about is righteousness. I I did get these out of order. Go ahead and jump down to righteousness or to righteous, that slide there. So righteous means as you should be. That's what it means. Like if you have been given righteousness, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you are righteous by grace through faith. It's a state of existence. Existence. It's not a bar that you attain. It's not at the end of the road of difficulty that you reach. It's not at the end of the road of faithfulness is where you meet righteousness. Righteousness is what Jesus said is he cleans that cup on the inside and then it bears fruit on the outside. Righteousness is as you should be. You are as you should be before the Father in the eternal aspects of who you are. Right with God. You ever heard a sermon? Time to get right. We're going to get right with God today. (laughs) Meaning you need to convince God how dirty of a worm you are and come up here and cry because it makes me feel good when you cry. I mean, you'd be surprised at some of these preachers, their level of security. Insecurity. Anyway. Nothing held against you. God This is the promise of the new covenant that is just phenomenal. God is not holding your sins against you. He keeps no record of wrong. Some people erroneously say that he doesn't see your sin. He sees it. He just doesn't remember it. And the word remember in that particular context is rehearse it and go over and over it. God's not sitting there dwelling on your sin. He sees it. He's like, wow, you know, there's a better way. I wish you wouldn't do that. It's killing you, hardening your heart. I'm trying to talk to you, but you ain't listening because you're sin. Oh, now they remember. Now they remember that Christ is the once and all-time sacrifice for sin. Now they're beginning to remember. Now they're softening their heart toward me. You know, I can just see it from God's perspective. So righteousness is not the result of proper behavior. It's a state of existence that comes from God having cleaned the cup from the inside. Amen? Amen. 
All right, so we're talking about still, God makes my life difficult sometimes to teach me a lesson, is actually self-righteousness because you don't understand what righteousness is. So let's get there. You ready? Galatians 2.16, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not obeying the law. Now, you would never say I'm righteous because I obeyed the law, but you might say I'm not righteous because I broke the law. Self-righteousness still. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Jesus. Now, it's not your faith that makes you righteous. It's the sacrifice of Christ effective in your life, but you trust in Him. It's the same thing that Sarah did. Sarah believed in the promise that God made, but she had to believe it in order for it to be active in her life. God wants everybody saved. He died for everybody. He's not holding anyone's sin against them because it's exhausted. His wrath and judgment has been exhausted in Christ. Now each individual person has to say, yes, okay, I'm willing to believe that what you did was for me. Because each person is autonomous. Is that the right word? Okay, good. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. No one will ever be made not right with God by, un by breaking the law. The opposite is true. Is that scary? Does that feel like, mm, sounds like you're giving me a license to sin? Well, detox from that religious thinking. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty. We have abandoned the law. What <clears throat> would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. All right, let me just, con just culturally contextualize verse 17 for a minute. What these guys were saying, because he's talking to Jews, Jews were saying, if you follow Christ and you still end up in sin, doesn't that mean that following Christ leads you into sin? That was the logic, and this is his response to that. Verse 18, rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of the law I already tore down. So you're a sinner if you go back under the law because you're trying to relate to God based on rule keeping. Now, does that make sin okay? No. It's weird that some people will think that, right? But I'm telling you, that's where people go with it. Verse 9, they don't understand that God cleans the cup from the inside first and then leads you and empowers you to reflect that cleanliness on the inside outwardly. It's such a fundamental concept. I say it all the time, but you got to see where it applies in your life. It's not just if you continue in sin. It also applies to the fact that you are qualified for the promises of God. And if you aren't inheriting the promises of God and you think that it's because of your behavior... You don't understand righteousness, your self-righteousness. You think that your behavior is disqualifying you. Does that mean that you should continue in sin? What it does is if you continue in sin, it hardens your heart. It desensitizes you to God's leading. And God's leading is trying to lead you into these promises and blessing so that His character and nature will be reflected in you and you outwardly reflect Him and He gets the glory. It's so basic and fundamental, but the church misses it. I'm telling you, the church misses it. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. That's what it does. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self. Now, 
Galatians 2.20. If you don't have this particular verse memorized, I'm telling you, memorize it. It's incredible. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Just think about that for a minute. Christ is alive in you. His righteousness, His sanctification, His wisdom. He is alive in this moment, right now, the Spirit of the living God and His saving anointed one is alive in you, seeking to shape you and transform you and bear outwardly what He's already done inwardly. Just take a deep breath. God lives in me. The, the life essence that created everything is giving life to, with, to in me right now. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, or actually I think King James gets it more right. It says, by the faith of the Son of God. So in other words, you, you have a faith that you place in Jesus to say yes to what He did for you, and then God's grace comes alive within you, and His grace influencing your heart gives you a faith or a a capacity to trust beyond your own faith. Amen. So you start to live by His faith. Amen. You start to think that what's got possible to God is possible to you. Amen. But sometimes we, we work hard, but we're in our own faith rather than living by His faith. God's faith says, hey, I planted the seed, it's growing. Amen. It will continue to increase. It will not return to me void. It will bear fruit. Amen. That is God's faith living through you. Yes. Amen? And it is also trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if, if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. And on the flip side, if breaking the law could make you not righteous, then there's no need for Christ to die because we all are going to break the law. Truth. I mean, it's worthless for Christ to die if you sinning after you're saved means that you've lost your salvation. A little bit of detoxing happening. Does that mean sin's okay? No. Why? Amen. All right, now, so here's the idea that, and I'm telling you, is the next one uh, 1 Corinthians? I might have gotten a lot, yeah. <clears throat> All right. The reason I'm bringing these two together is because I've, I've, people, will, people will talk about temptation and trials and difficulties in their lives. Just so you know, trials are always related to temptation. Trials are those difficulties that you go through in your life that you need patience to get through. Now, we're going to look at the fact that they're not from God. Persecution is different. Persecution might be something that you experience as you're following God that comes on you even maybe to the loss of your own life because you are going forward with the gospel. You are testifying of Christ, whatever. Per persecution is when you are preaching the gospel in whatever capacity and something happens to you as a direct result of that. That's persecution. 
you might experience that, even to the loss of being tortured and losing your life. And God would be all over it. Not because He needs you to suffer to give you holiness, but because He's using you as a testimony of His faithfulness. Are you with me? That might happen. That could happen. But you losing your job and your dog dying and you having a flat tire is not persecution. That's temptation and trials and tribulation, which you're going to have in this life. And look what he says about it here. Are you with me? All right, now, the religious mindset reads this, and here's one thing. The cup is clean on the inside mindset. Here's the other. Let's see which one you are. Ready? And I've taught on this before, so you probably know where I'm going, but it bears repeating. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Leave it there on that passage, please. When the temptation comes, what do you hear? What do you hear when you read this? Do you hear, God won't put more on me than I can bear? Think about it. Ready? One more time. Do you hear, God won't put more on me than I can bear? Or do you hear, when the temptation comes, He provides a way out? Now the language there might sound like the temptation and the way out are both from God. I'm glad you noticed that because look what James says. James 1.13, when tempted, say when tempted, no one, say no one, okay, you can stop now, should say God is tempting me. Don't say God's tempting me, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Earlier in James, he says, count it joy when you fall into different trials and temptations. Then he says, don't say it's from God. Amen. <clears throat> it can't be more clear than that. But I am telling you, the religious filtered mindset will look at that and begin. It's like a crackhead. I'm going to justify. I'm going to no, but, but this, but this, but this happened to me. And it's not my fault. <clears throat> That's what happens. You show that simple, clear progression of concept around temptation and they freak out and start thinking that you're a heretic. <coughs> but it very clearly says, don't say it's from God. Amen. Does it not? Amen. Now, what is temptation, trial, tribulation? It's the flat tires. It's the loss of job. It's the difficulty that happens in this life because this life is difficult. It's not persecution, totally separate thing. When that stuff happens, where do you go? Do you say, God, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? You're self-righteous. You don't understand that righteousness means that He's not holding your sin against you. Therefore, He's not going to bring this trial into your life to teach you a lesson. Amen. He's going to show you a way out of it. For you who's responding to His love, He's making it work together for your good. Do you see the difference? Amen. It's a detox that has to happen. And you go over to the other side and you see God differently than the other way. Well, it's a little bit of both. Well, we don't know. It's black and white on this one. It just is.
It's clear in Scripture. Don't say it's from God. When you hear somebody say, well, God won't put more on you than you can bear, you know what your response should be? You self-righteous thing, you. <laughs> you think God killed your dog to teach you a lesson? That would mean that you've done something where God has to use your dog in this adverse circumstance to teach you something. What? No, don't say it. Amen. It might be marriage struggle. It might be debt. It might be just the fear and the worry that you carry. Whatever it is, if it's not related to you standing up and proclaiming the gospel and experiencing persecution as a result of that, it's a trial and a tribulation. And James says, don't say it's from God. Paul says, when it happens, God's going to show you how to get out of it. Next, path, next slide here. We're going to wrap up on these. So <clears throat> asking why repeats the cycle of toxic beliefs and destructive behavior. If you are trying to discern God's will in your life through your circumstances, you'll always ask why. Why did this happen? Well, if you really got the answer, you might not like it. It might mean that you mishandled your own resources. It might mean that you desensitized your heart to whatever it is, the situation that you're in your life. Are you with me? Because yeah. God says when it comes, He'll show you a way out. He won't let you be broken by it because He's going to show you how to get out of it. Amen. Now it's up to you if you're going to let yourself be led out of it. Amen. Asking why. It's like the religious addict. You're locked into this mentality of trying to think that my life is a direct result of what God wants for me, so I better learn my lesson in this situation so I can graduate to the next level. I mean, that's what people think about Christianity. Own your identity in Christ and don't use toxic beliefs as excuses. That's always going to be the solution. If you're facing adversity, rather than asking why, because that's going to lead you down to the road of self-righteousness, thinking that you may have disqualified yourself for God to be God. Are you with me? Like you can't, you, you can't do anything to disqualify God's credentials. Amen. He is who He is. Amen. And He is a provider. Amen. Don't ask why. Because it's not coming from Him. But the solution is, and the solution is found in owning your identity. You with me? Amen. Don't ask God, why did this happen? Ask Him, how will you lead me out of it? Amen. Asking why keeps you locked in it. It's like tea leaves or tarot cards or the arc of that bird in the sky means something to me. Now I get it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. The fleeces that we put out, you know? Well, if this happens, then that means God wants it for me. No, God wants it for you because Jesus died for you to have it. Amen. Jesus died so that God could be God for you. Amen. No disqualifications. Amen. Don't ask why. Who cares why? The why is probably related to something that you need to take responsibility for. Own your identity. Repent. Change your mind. 
Look for the solution on the way out. Look for the solution. He will give you the solution. You know, I, I, I'm seeing this more as kind of something that's coming together for me, but I'm seeing the solutions are always going to be related to your calling. In other words, the more you understand the passion that's in you that is being birthed, that, that compels you into this world, the more you are in harmony with that, the more you are fulfilling your call, the more you are living with purpose, the more you are excited to get up every day because you're doing something that's fulfilling and it's fulfilling that call. The more you do that, the easier it is to avoid sin, the easier it is to not blame God on blame your problems on God, the easier it is to just let it all go and find that direction back within Him because you have a path that you're walking. You have a sense of clarity and purpose and passion and vision. Now, you might be struggling and trying to work within that vision, and praise God for that. But with, but with Him, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's just going to magically work out, but there is a promise that it will work out for you who love God. Amen? Amen. Quit asking why. Quit trying to discern God's will through your circumstances. Discern God's will through the Christ's death for you and what He paid for in His blood and who God is as a result of Him living within you. That is where you renew your mind. That is where you shape your thinking. That is where you get your solutions and your answers until the circumstance changes. Quit looking at your circumstances and asking God why it's there. Because it's not from Him. Look for His solution and His leading in the midst of it. Amen? Now, does that mean something for you? You might already have it picked out. I mean, I, you might be mad at me right now. That's all right. Because you're constantly going, well, what, what does this mean, God, you know? But, but I want you to be more settled in how God relates to you and how He leads you. I want you to be more confident in the power of God within you not always going back and forth wondering what's happened in your life because of what happened outside. Make your life match what He's already done on the inside by standing faithful to the fact that He is faithful. Amen? Amen. I just want to give you time to kind of personalize that for a moment. Do you have an area of your life where this means something to you? You know what? I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit trying to figure out why my life is like this really doesn't even matter. What I'm going to do is I'm going to live from a sense of purpose because what I know is that God is helping me get out of it. Amen. He's leading me and God. He's giving me solutions. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I, I, pray that that, I pray that you find a way to incorporate that into your life. Honestly, from now on, this is not one of those weekly things that you just hear and you're like, okay, now I know that. Now, this can change your life. It can change your life. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that you're consistent. We thank you that we can know who you are by the names that you have revealed to us. I am that I am. You always will be who you are. We trust you.
We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for that righteousness that you've given us. We thank you that your cleansing is our sanctification. And we lay down those areas where we are blaming you for our life. We lay down those areas where we are not turning inwardly to those spiritual solutions and where we're trying to discern you outwardly. We let it go. We're not going to live carnally like that anymore. We're going to soften our hearts towards you because of your love for us, and we're going to become pliable and leadable to you and live from a sense of confidence. It's like your promise before us is the path that we walk on and that there's a confidence that keeps us going. We trust you. Just tell him I trust you, Lord. Now, we will engage our hearts. We will believe. We will put the work in to cleanse our minds from toxic religious thinking. We, we will use Scripture to rebuild our opinions and our views about who you are, Lord. We will use Scripture and your finished work and our value to you to rebuild our self-image and who we think we are on the inside. And we will live from a sense of completeness in you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that spirit that is alive within me. You know, maybe you're in here today and you don't know that that spirit's in you. You're not sure. You're not sure how all that works. Well, let me just suggest to you, it starts this way. Be willing to believe that what he did was for you, that what Jesus did was for you. And in your heart and in your mind, there's not really a magic prayer. There is confessing out of your mouth. You could say something as easy as this, and we'll let's all say it together. Lord, I believe that what you did was for me. I believe that you died in my place. You became my sin. You died for me. You rose again with your own blood, with your own life. And when I say yes to you, you cleanse me inwardly so I can live it outwardly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know, and, and I just, I have a desire. I have a desire to see the supernatural flow. You know, the way that I've seen it mostly is as a result of hearing the gospel. You know, you go overseas, you just preach the gospel, miracles happen. You know, like we think we got to work it up here. I'm not saying we're not going to pray for people and believe for miracles. The miracles that we mostly see in this place are deep, emotional, transformative miracles. I want to see the outward too because it should follow the preaching of the word. Now, if you have something that you need prayer for and you need a miracle in your life, it starts inwardly connecting with the faithfulness of God in your life. It starts there. And then outwardly, somebody agrees with you. It doesn't start with going to somebody and then pray and they get it for you or God decides to then give it to you. Make it alive in your own heart first. Amen? Amen. I, I just feel like the more boldly we preach the gospel, the more outward miraculous we're going to see. Amen. I believe for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. I think, uh, I think it was a good thing to go to the two services. Yeah. Just, just a note, just a final thought, a final, final, final thought. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's plenty of room in here. Um, 
But I just, I just, we, we had the sense that God wants to continue to grow and use this ministry to get this message out there, which means we need to make more room for people. So um, I appreciate you preparing yourselves mentally and emotionally. You know, if you have people that you wonder where they are, they may have been in the first service. Just, you know what that means? That means you just got to work on your relationships a little bit more. Like if you miss somebody from that hour and a half that you didn't get to see them in church, Go meet them for dinner or something like that. You know, I hope that doesn't sound too sarcastic. I'm really not trying to be. <clears throat> but I just mean the reason we're doing this is to make room. Uh, and, and we couldn't stay in one service for too much longer really at all. And it's like a pot, a plant in a pot. You just got to make room for it. So I appreciate you making that transition, turning that corner with us, believing in you know, where God has called this ministry. I pray that you have a sense of deep passion and vision and purpose for your place within this body or however it looks for you. I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm super thankful about the opportunity that we have to set people free. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.